What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Frame by Frame, a podcast all about your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm your host, Amon, and joining me today is the man without a nickname, Jemmy. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. You know, it's been a pretty, pretty chill week, honestly, but a lot of good stuff to catch up on. You know, I've been watching uh, a lot of good stuff this week, so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a video listener, you might have noticed a very special guest on this week, and it's none other than Will from the Outbreak Podcast. Will, how are you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome to have you here. Um, but yeah, before we start, Will, could you tell our audience members who might not know you a little bit about yourself and your show? Sure, yeah. So uh, my name is William. Uh, I host the Outbreak Podcast, which can be found on basically anywhere you listen to podcasts and my podcast very similar to this. I do delve into topics like film and television, but I also talk about video games as well on my show. And it's sort of a combination of like a news podcast, but also like a personal diary in a way I catch myself up every week on what I've been up to as well as kind of telling the audience what I've been playing, what I've been watching. And it's sort of just every week it uh, updates people with uh, progressing through games, progressing through movies, and then, trying to keep up with the uh, the top news of the week. But yeah, before we start, make sure to subscribe to our channel for daily content. You can further support our show by heading over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review. Every five-star review will be read live on the show. All right, before we begin, let's give a big shout-out to our patrons. Bucky Blue, Hopple, Alpaca Tom, SAZ, Brianna's Mom, Bro, Wife, Brianna, and Amon. <gasps> Amon? What? That's crazy. Look at that. <laughs> if you want to hear your name out on the podcast and at the start of every show, go ahead to patreon.com slash save the game media and subscribe to our tier of your liking. Gain access to exclusive perks that will enhance your experience. And now let's go ahead and get into our news. With that out of the way, uh, let's jump into our first segment. And that is what have we watched this week? Not going to lie, guys. I've had a very Sam week. Like I haven't watched anything like quite literally like life just hit me with a truck like a ton of assignments doing all that but please tell me you guys have watched something so um I... will since you're our guest you can start sure yeah so um this week i'm, I'm all caught up on uh, she hulk attorney at law on, on disney plus um i i'm realizing now that this show is like the ultimate troll because if you guys are all caught up on She-Hulk, you're well aware oh, yeah. that there was a nice big tease at the end of, of episode five. Oh, yes. And they very oh, blatantly yes. told the audience, yeah, okay, well, this next episode is a self-contained wedding episode. Spoiler to anybody. <laughs> so I, I know that they're going to save this for at least the second to last or last episode, this tease, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, but I already sort of have an idea of what I think the show is progressing towards, uh, especially mm-hmm. with like Titania. And this oh, yeah. new with, intelligentsia uh, organization that they and the the few hints of the first few episodes with uh, the Sakar battleship and all of that. So, yeah, I think yes. it's yeah, it's it's painting a clear picture of what's to come, I guess. And you know, with the recent news at D twenty three that the leader might be returning, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was reading about that today too. That like he he may make an appearance in the show, but who knows, right? It's knows? It, again, they they it's one of those I things mean, like with. Thinking, referencing Hawkeye, how they kind of mm-hmm. teased Kingpin and then eventually unveiled him in the last like two oh, episodes. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I feel like they're going that way with this show too. We're not really going to know who the big bad is until close to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, here's the yeah. Thing. I guess that's. I feel like that's a recurring problem in every Disney Plus show. You know, it's always like, oh, they're building up towards something in the second last episode. There's the big reveal, and then we get to know who the big surprise cameo is. Don't you agree? Totally, totally. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily say that's fully a problem, just because if we look at it, mm-hmm. that wasn't an issue in Moon Knight. That wasn't an issue in Falcon and Miss Marvel. And Soldier. That and, wasn't yeah, I would say Miss Marvel and um, yeah. Moon Knight. I think, I think here's the problem, though. There's really, in my opinion at this stage, there's two types of Marvel Studios show. There's a mm-hmm. Marvel Studios project that's character focused. That is your Moon Knights. That I would argue Loki, even though Loki does obviously mm-hmm. do a lot of setup, I'd still say Loki pretty character focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would argue She Hulk right now is pretty character focused, even though it is doing some focus. You know, we're staying focused on Jen and her world. We're seeing her interact, but it's focused on her world. That's why I'm of the mind that, you know, I would be open to seeing the leader, but I'm more of the mind like a post-credit scene. Or maybe find out, oh, he's pulling the strings, but not necessarily see him in a full kingpin or he who remains style reveal. Just because, you know, at this, 
I do appreciate that the show has been a troll for what it's worth. I think it's, I not only enjoy the show, but as a writer, I enjoy the meta level. The fact that we've gotten to the point where Marvel fully knows how people on Reddit and YouTube comments are going to respond to this stuff already. And I think if this show spends time saying, oh, we need to set up the eventual World War Hulk crossover. Oh, we need to set up Captain America New World Order. Oh, we need to set up is the leader, you know, is he playing to make some type of Hulk army? You know, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff draws away from you know jen and her you know little legal group yeah so that's why i guess they're just sort of planting the seeds uh, in this show but not really fully delving into that uh, yeah. you know those uh seeds they've planted uh, but I- yeah mm-hmm. but yeah uh, i 100 percent agree i think something like this should be more you know heavily focused in a movie right leading up to world war hulk or something like that which i think falcon and the winter soldier is gonna be uh but yeah guys uh, anything else you guys um anything else have you watched will uh, the only other thing that I can mention that I'm I'm well into is a show on Netflix called uh, The Stranger. It's from uh, mm-hmm. Harlan Coben. I've heard it's, that one. Yeah, Harlan Coben's got a couple of shows on Netflix right now. I guess he's mm-hmm. got some sort of exclusive deal with them or something. But it was a show that my dad had actually he had mentioned it to me like two years ago. He's like, "You really got to check the show out." And of course, like most shows, it's like, "Okay, okay," and then it just ends mm-hmm. up on the back burner, right? Um, but because I I'm finding that it's so hard to come by good content on Netflix unless it's some true crime documentary. I just decided to like shoot my shot at some random show that was sitting on my like, I'm going to watch this eventually list. And it ended up being that one. So far, it's building to something. There's this sort of um, through line story with this character, uh, the stranger who's sort of going around and is telling different people within this little small town that of like, secrets involving people related to them and they're like deep dark secrets and it's basically sending everybody into a spiral all the while there's this like murder mystery investigation going on and then mm-hmm. the stranger character who is this young woman it's actually the actress who plays ghost from the uh, ant-man and the Wasp. Hannah john came in okay mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and and the nobody knows really how this character knows so much about all these different people in town uh and i'm at a point now where they're starting to i guess she's starting to slowly unravel and and her backstory is going to start to come out because I think it's only like eight episodes and I'm at episode five. Right. So we're kind of mm-hmm. just past the halfway point. Um, mm-hmm. I really don't know what they're building to, but of course it feels like one of those shows that's going to have a crazy twist that like <laughs> we should have seen from the beginning, but like it wasn't really made apparent. So that's, that's really the only other show that I've been watching at the moment. And I actually just finished Thor love and thunder last night. <laughs> I didn't watch what it. Do you think? I'm curious. I'm curious. What do you think about it? It was funny. I had another friend asking me, they were like, when are you going to watch it? When are you going to watch it? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll watch it eventually. But then I was seeing all this sort of like somewhat negative uh, criticism towards the film and that it doesn't hold a candle to Ragnarok, right? Which, mm-hmm. I mean, how can you hold a candle to a movie that great, right? Exactly. And I think they exactly. tried to get there, but this felt like a much lower stakes Ragnarok film, but yet it didn't have the same staying power as Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that there were some interesting elements. I thought that Christian Bale did a marvelous job with what he was given. Um, I thought the screaming goats, I really appreciate screaming goats. <laughs> that, that was probably one of my favorite points of the film, as well as Korg. Anytime Korg is on screen, I just can't help but laugh. But it was a it was a visual marvel of a film. I mean, the, the way that they played with color, uh, style, mm-hmm. That's always been something that the, those later Thor films have done really well. But I just felt like there were some moments that were either underdeveloped, underused, like the Guardians. In some cases, even Jane Foster's story felt a little sped yeah. up. Like, I feel like they really accelerated getting her to that Thor point. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm still hopeful for a fifth Thor movie because I think it's been teased. Oh, yeah. So I know sure. it's definitely coming. Um but the future of Thor and how it's going to be tied to the wider MCU, it's still, still kind of uncertain at this point. I'm sure he will come back around, obviously, for the next two mm-hmm. Avengers films. Right. But he is kind of doing his own thing. And as Kevin Feige has stated, uh, the Avengers are basically not non-existent in this yeah. current state of the MCU, which mm-hmm. that'll probably change come the next two films. But they could just mm-hmm. be using Avengers as just a tentpole to bring all the characters together, not necessarily Actually, tied to the team. I have a theory about that. I have a theory myself that that's... A conversation for another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think visually, Thor Love and Thunder looked amazing. I thought so, at points in the movie, humor was very forced. Uh, mm. But my main issues with the movie lie with the pacing. 
I just felt like they were going through things really quickly. They weren't letting things play out the way they should have. So I, my, my main issue with the movie was the pacing, and that, that's what brought it down. Um, but if the pacing was fine, I think it could have been as good as Ragnarok, if not mm-hmm. better. Uh, but yeah, Jemmy, I'm interested in your theory, man. You can't tease us like that. Okay. Well, first I will say just my opinion on um, Thor Love and Thunder is that I, Mm -hmm. my brother had this, uh, uh, my brother and I were talking and there's a line that Thor says, repeats a couple times, or it's like a fun Thor adventure. I honestly think that is the best way to describe the movie. Flaw, for both its benefits and its flaws. Really, it's not like any of the other Thor movies. It's really just a fun Thor adventure. And that comes with benefits and detriments. I personally think that the emotional beats were handled well, but they needed more of them. It wasn't the problem. I think the ones that they had were done well. I like the scene where Jane and them talk on him talk on the boat. I didn't think the comedy interrupted it, but I think we needed more of those scenes. And to be frank, from stuff that we've seen, it seems like a lot of this movie was cut. So it even seems like yeah. they did have mm-hmm. a lot more that we're just never going to see, which that's Marvel for you. My theory, now onto my theory. I think, I don't think there'll be an Avengers team because, a Avengers team, because I think we're going to be moving to the stage where there'll be multiple Avengers teams. Mm-hmm. Marvel mm-hmm. is already trending towards the p- position where most of their movies aren't really solo movies anymore. Right now, I think Blade is the only one that is really going to be a solo yeah. movie because everything else is going to be a character plus these other people, even if it just has their billing. Right now, for instance, I fully believe that Captain America New World Order is going to set up the Secret Avengers team, just because looking at what we have. In the Secret Avengers, if people aren't familiar for our listeners, that was the team that basically did more like covert stuff. And that team had characters like Hawkeye, Captain America, Moon Knight. I think, sorry to interrupt um, you there, but yeah. I think New World Order is going to lead directly into Thunderbolts. I no, think I that's think, the yeah, team. But I think, I think, no, but I think that the Secret Avengers will be established in New World Order, mm-hmm. basically, as a covert kind of global team to handle the street-level mm-hmm. big stuff. They'll have some type of Ultimates-type cosmic team that Carol will probably lead. And then they'll mm-hmm. have the Young Avengers, which will probably be led by um, Kate. And the Thunderbolts will be sort of the rogue hero street-level team. That's four different teams, plus the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, of course, that basically allows Marvel to do their playground. And even if they aren't officially called Avengers, I have a feeling that's how they'll be built, just because that's what we look at the storylines they're building. They're grouping mm-hmm. these characters together now. Like, I fully believe that She-Hulk is going to be probably a part of the main Avengers team. I'm starting to think Sam might not, honestly, just because they're seeming to position him to be with Sabra um, and his own, you know, corner of the espionage, you know, Sharon, all that stuff. But that's my theory. A game theory. Wait, we need we need what, a save the frame theory. That's not film theory. theory. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Jemmy, what have you watched this week? Um, so again, She Hulk. Obviously, I'm a bit. I didn't watch uh, Rings of Power or um, uh, Game of Thrones. House, House of the Dragon. Dragon. Uh-huh. House of the Dragon uh, this week yet, so I have to catch up on that. Um, the big thing is I'm waiting to watch Andor. I'm gonna watch that later. Uh, with my family, so I'm really mm-hmm. excited for that. I'm a big Star Wars fan, so looking forward to that. Another thing that I've really been trying to catch up on and really getting into is engaging my Star Trek side. Uh, so I caught up finally on um, Strange New Worlds and I'm on now Lower Decks, which I really enjoy. I think it's a really fun comedy. One thing, though, it's actually funny that you mentioned looking for things on Netflix is because I'm doing a writing project right now, and um, for that project, I'm looking into a lot of different uh, things on Netflix. So I actually found this one show, which I would recommend to both of you and all our listeners. It's called mm-hmm. Tresse. It's mm-hmm. an anime, but it's based on Filipino mythology. I'd highly recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. I found it. The aesthetic is very good. Um, the story is very good, and it does a lot of good weaving of Filipino mythology and culture into it. So I'd highly recommend just check it out. It's not too long, like the standard 10 episodes for the season. I did look it up. It looks like it is renewed for a second season. Um, no word on when it'll come out, so it's not something that Netflix abandoned. But I'd check it out if you see it. Yeah, I think it only has six episodes, right? Yeah, six episodes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty light. It's pretty light. You can oh, yeah, okay. That's, that, that's short for an anime. But yeah, that's I'm interested in that because, like, you know, short, a short, nice and short story uh, through anime format. That's for me. 
Uh, but yeah, guys, since you got since we've gone through everything we've watched, let's move on to story number one. Uh, so, uh, Deadline sources have told us that Marvel Studios' current plan for the MCU's X Men film uh, is to be based on Joss Whedon's uh, Astonishing X Men run. Uh, Astonishing X Men was a comic book series continuation of Grant Morrison's New X Men. Uh, Whedon's run began in 2004 and ended in 2008. It's unclear which X Men team the studio plans on using, but it's worth noting. That the lineup includes Cyclops, Emma Frost, Beast, Kitty Pride, Wolverine, and Colossus. Um, that group was also featured in various limited series, including World War Hulk X-Men. Now, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this team and how, uh, and if you think this run will be adapted into the MCU. And, um, you know, obviously with the World War Hulk setup and She-Hulk and the upcoming movies, do you think it's a, it's a possibility that this run is adapted? I think... Personally, it's mm-hmm. there is some possibility and it makes sense, but I don't think this is the direction go for a couple reasons. I don't think it's the direction they will go. <clears throat> One, let's just do this. As of right now, according to Out of Their Mouths, they are fully in the process of focusing on the Secret War and focusing on Fantastic Four. So I fully don't believe they actually have a plan for the X-Men yet. I think they are in the very early stages. We know that they're introducing mutants at this point, but notice all the mutants that they're introducing are not connected to the X-Men. I think they're still saving that because a next potential phase will have X-Men. I think the next next saga after this will be the mutant saga, personally. But in terms of the actual run, again, it does make sense. It lines up with the timeline. We know that Marvel is taking some elements of Dark Reign. We know that Marvel is taking some elements of, obviously, World War Hulk. So it would set up with the timeline, but at the same fact, it's Joss Whedon who already <laughs> has a history with Marvel, and um, mm-hmm. it's not the most positive. So this would be a bad look. And also, quiet as it's kept, that's a really weird run to introduce the X Men. Oh yeah, remember we're going to be introducing the X Men into this universe. That's literally has no introductory elements whatsoever is with a fully established X-Men team that is fully integrated into the Marvel universe. Um, I was talking with Amon earlier. Mm-hmm. My personal belief is that we've already heard and I believe confirmed that Jonathan Hickman is on in a story capacity for Marvel Studios. I think they're going to be taking some of his X-Men work and uh, loosely adapting it. Of course, they never adapt anything fully. They're, they've never mm-hmm. done that. Oh, yeah. But I think it's they just... will loosely adapt elements like Krakoa, some of his more tying into mutant mythology, maybe even have Moria as a center point, sort of expanding into a focal point, expanding into the mutant world, because she could be a really good focal character, I imagine, for the MCU, if you don't yeah. want to focus on Charles or Magneto immediately. Um, so I think that that's where they're going to go. Now, would I be, as a story element, is a good run, you know, because Whedon can write... <laughs> He can do some other things too, but he can write. <laughs> so, but again, it'd just be a weird thing for them to adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think about this? I I didn't even think you were going to mention that, but as soon as you did, I was like, that was all I was thinking of when that, uh, <laughs> this story, I was reading it earlier. I'm like, Joss Whedon, no. But I mean, <laughs> there's definitely be some elements I can see them borrowing from it. I even heard, I was reading somewhere too about this possibility of Cyclops leading the X-Men in this iteration in the MCU. Which should I be. I heard that. Which should be. Yeah, like right. I feel like he's such, a, he's such an underrated character and I feel like in the films especially he's underutilized. Oh, yeah. um, he's my favorite X-Men. Guys. He's my favorite let's, X-Men. Cyclops, let's not yeah. even go underrated. How about you just have the actual leader of the X-Men be the leader of the X-Men? Because Wolverine is not the leader of the X-Men. No, exactly. <laughs> and neither is Magneto because apparently he's the main character. I read somewhere too, and I don't think this was in an article. It might have actually been a YouTube video of somebody's take on how they'd like to see the mutants introduced they were uh, they were talking about possibly seeing solo films before coming together as the x-men much like with the avengers Mm -hmm. having their solo films and coming together that way in in a way i think it'd be interesting and it'd be a unique take on introducing a lot of these characters you delve into sort of their history as you know developing these powers but a little bit more into their individual backstories rather than seeing them start out already as a team um and you know what i mean like you don't really get that opportunity to really delve into each of those characters. A lot of people forget, but Fox actually kind of tried that, but it just kind of went under the radar. 
a lot again x-men origins wolverine was supposed to start a whole franchise they had script yeah. plans for x-men's origins beast and x-men's origins uh magneto even then the gambit movie that's been kicked around for god knows how long it initially started as titled x-men origins gambit i think personally that would be a good idea but i think a better a disney plus adapted one i would Disney Plus and a Twilight Zone style show. Imagine this. Every episode is a new mutant when they get their mutation. That's a way to perfectly build mm-hmm. it. So you could have Cyclops getting his powers. That could be how you build the X-Men team. And at the end of each episode, Charles Xavier comes and say, hey, want to join my teenage Enjoy the team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think awesome. I, I think that's a very cool possibility. I can see them doing something like um, we get, um, you know, after phase uh, Secret Wars and ends or whatever, we get the reveal that Krakoa actually exists in the MCU and we get the reveal of the entire X-Men lineup. And then after that, we take a retroactive look at like their origin stories through a Disney Plus show, you know, like X-Men origin Cyclops, uh, how mm-hmm. Magneto recruited him and all that. And then you jump back to the present day, present timeline where we're exploring f- these. <laughs> given the fact that every indication seems to be that Fantastic Four won't be an origin story, mm-hmm. I honestly am assuming that while we will see an origin, I'm assuming, because, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to show the origin of the X-Men. Oh, yeah. we, mm-hmm. The initial version will be already established. Like, I think it'll yeah. be more like a Moon Knight type deal. They would have already mm-hmm. been operating. They're just not on the radar. Either they get exposed somehow or um, say the whole world, you know, discovers them. But either way, and, you know, our listeners know how fan I am yeah. of the whole Sentinel project. But I fully believe oh, yeah. that Armor Wars will lead to them building the Sentinel project because Miss mm-hmm. Marvel I can see that the groundwork yeah and, and the, at the end of No Way Home it, damage control basically took in all entirety of Stark's you know um, like uh, all of Tony yeah. Stark's projects right yes, so yeah they, so again the thing is Marvel never goes straight forward the fact of the matter is Iron Man's villains the whole Armor Wars thing it was a okay storyline but it's not the best it's honestly this whole storyline of Iron Man hunting down people who sold armors sounds a lot cooler than it actually was in practice. <laughs> but the idea of Rhodey going against basically the entire government using having Tony Stark's legacy fall into the wrong hands. And I'd imagine integrating, you know, them powering up armored heroes. You know, they could have Titanium Man, Crimson Dynamo. We could possibly see, you know, the return of Justin Hammer, I think would be really cool. You know, isn't Zeke Stain? I isn't there Zeke Stain supposed to be in um, Ironheart? Right. I heard yeah. that rumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zeke Stain. Yeah, uh, they already cast him. I think. Right. Um, yeah, the guy yeah, who plays Zeke Solo. Stain, I could easily yeah. see. I, oh yeah, exactly. So I could yeah. easily yeah. see him um, also making an appearance in Armor Wars, either in his own suit of armor because I think he has suited up in the comics, mm-hmm. or just as a part of you know the players. It seems like. You know, since every show is kind of taking a different genre and Armor Wars really seems to be going, sorry, Armor Wars, Secret Invasion really seems to be going heavy into espionage, you know? Mm-hmm. My personal theory, you know, like that show Bridge of Spies, I've heard is an inspiration that they're trying to go or something like that. I've heard that they want it to be much more like business and political. So like West Wing and um, House of Cards type deal for Armor yeah. Wars, which I think would be really cool. Yeah, that would be that would be very interesting. But uh, some cards without uh, Kevin yeah. Spacey, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, back to the X Men storyline. Let me just make it clear that Screen Geek is a very hidden mess source. Like there, there was a time where they used to get a lot of things right, but as of recently, they've been way off the mark. Uh, but honestly, I think uh, Joss Whedon's X Men uh, Astonishing X Men run is one of the better X Men comic book runs post Grant Morrison run. Uh, but again, uh, I get why people wouldn't want that the, him to be his name to be associated with the project like uh but you can honestly weigh all comics whether they're good or not by post morrison or did morrison oh yeah after morrison is probably not gonna be good yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah my only problem with this story them adapting the storyline is that i want to see the phoenix saga play out in the mcu i know we've already it's already been done twice and failed twice but uh, just imagine I have PTSD from the <laughs> yeah. Phoenix Saga. But, but just imagine a Phoenix Saga starting with the rise of Phoenix, ending with Age of Ap- Apocalypse. That that would probably be the best story arc in the MCU, if done right. Like, that's the classic X-Men arc right there. And uh, as a diehard X-Men fan, as a diehard story, X-Men yeah. fan, nothing would make me happier. Like, Here's just imagine. Thing, first, though, big... If you want to do that, though, 
you got to do that right. So that means yeah. they got to go full that's, Shi'ar that's, Empire, Star Yes, Jenners, that's, I'm getting to that. So just that. imagine the first big X-Men Avengers crossover movie is right is adapts loosely adapts Rise of the Phoenix, and then we can see the progression of the Dark Phoenix, which will eventually lead into the war with Shi'ar Empire, Avengers versus X-Men, and then you can cap the saga off with Age of Apocalypse. I think that would be a killer story arc. But uh, you know, yeah, quiet as it's kept, if the mutants would be the next saga, a good mm-hmm. two-part Avengers movie would probably be Avengers Dark Phoenix or mm-hmm. and Avengers versus X Men. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good get that. Because that, that then would you be could so just because you could combine the two storylines and say after the Phoenix Force is separated, now who's going to get the Phoenix Force? Mm-hmm. That could actually that could be a pretty dope storyline if they. Yeah, if they and then the movie them. before that, X Men versus Shi'ar Empire. Yeah, come on. <clears throat> That that would be a killer story arc right there. And they but can I get even have the guardians mm-hmm. or whatever new guardians. Exactly, Nova, yeah, Nova, whatever, yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, um, I highly doubt Marvel's gonna go this route because um, Marvel usually doesn't adapt the things that that have already been adapted before, or even if they do, it'll probably be in some fan service way like No Way Home. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I'll stop there. I've rambled on for a while now, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, you wanna move on to story number two? Sounds good. Alrighty, uh, so Apple TV Plus has snapped the latest show from Breaking Bad creator and Better Call Saul co-creator Vince Gilligan, which has Better Call uh, Better Call Saul star Rhea Seahorn attached to the play the lead. The untitled project is described as a blended, grounded genre drama and has received a two-season order uh, from the streamer. Um, but yeah, it was reported a few months ago that Gilligan is working on a show similar to The Twilight Zone. Could this be it? And again, Apple TV is putting out banger after banger, you know, Severance, Ted Lasso, The Morning Show, For All Mankind, and, you know, just to name a few, Blackbird. Um, but yeah, Vince Gilligan is a fantastic writer and producer, so anything he does, I'll watch. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? You know, Apple TV nabbing this 15 million per episode show uh, for a two-season order. I mean, I'm uh, I'm excited to see Vince Gilligan outside of Albuquerque. I want to see oh, yeah. what he can do that's not tied to this universe. I think mm-hmm. Nabbing Rhea Seahorn is great because honestly, she was one of those characters that like when I when she was first introduced on Better Call Saul, um, I really didn't like her. <laughs> and then as time went on, the back half of like those six seasons, I was like, wow, I think this is my favorite character of the show. Like, yeah. she it was one of those characters that you didn't really know like what she was going to do when she was on screen, but then like to see the, the turn that she made, like this, this is an actor that's got so much range that we have yet to tap into. And I think we only really got the gist of that in the last couple of seasons of better call Saul. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. excited that she's getting the chance to lead a new show under Vince Gilligan. Uh, sucks that it's with Apple TV only because I don't have the subscription <laughs> yet to Apple TV, despite having an iPhone, which is I would I would highly <laughs> recommend it. Highly recommend. I know, it. Just, and like yeah, with, with the shows that you lie. name there, like there's plenty of good yeah. stuff there now. I don't know anyone who actually has an Apple TV. Everyone I know <laughs> who watches it just pirates the stuff. I can't think of a single person. I but, uh, like a month has... free subscription because I have an iPhone, so I might have to. Yeah. I might have to check. Just it try out try the month free subscription because uh, the thing with Apple TV is they they don't have a lot of shows, but hey, they have really not, good. We're few not shows. getting sponsored, by the way. So can we not give the commercial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's not it's not overvalued like Netflix is. I would say Netflix has a lot of shows, but only a few of them are very good. Apple TV mm-hmm. has very few shows, like very very few shows, but. They're all quality. Quality, definitely quality over quantity. Here's what I'd say. Quality over quantity, but they're going to need some more quantity. So I'm all for them getting as many shows as possible. They also got the Godzilla show coming. Yeah, exactly. So this one, obviously, this seems like a good fit for their platform. I hope it's the Twilight Zone show. You know, I'm a big fan of anthology, especially science fiction anthologies for my preferred genres. You know, while you were talking, quite as is kept. Yes, I'm excited to see him outside of albuquerque but i wouldn't mind you know a couple more i like better trust gus i could i could watch that you know six seasons <laughs> <laughs> better call hank you know? yeah. oh yes but, but i think ultimately that you know whatever this show turns out to be i'm definitely looking forward to whatever his writing style is you know they're obviously right now i would say apple tv seems to be if you'd look at what's going on in the streaming world it seems like disney plus is trying to position itself to be the new netflix the new all for family catering while um 
Apple TV is trying to slide into the niche that was previously occupied by HBO Max until they lit themselves on fire, which was <laughs> focusing more on, in general, family, but also because they do have some family offerings, but also mm-hmm. prestige, really focusing in on prestige television. Yeah. Which I definitely think could be their strong suit. You know, if Warner Brothers ends up being sold, as we talked about before, I wouldn't be opposed to them getting it. But at least in the short term, I definitely think this project, you know, or whatever it turns out to be, I'm going to be sitting and I'm going to be watching. It. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, to your point of Disney Plus, there was, I did read an interesting article about, I think it was Bob Chapek. He said he would, in an ideal world, he would like to combine Hulu and Disney Plus. So, like, I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, that's he, all he did was say the quiet part out loud. When they bought mm-hmm. Hulu, you know what I said audibly? Bye bye. <laughs> there's no sense. There would be, there's no practical reason from a business standpoint to have Hulu and Disney Plus both existing. Yeah eventually it was and now we've seen of now they really are obsolete because now you can put adult content on disney plus so Mm -hmm. there's literally no reason for hulu to exist as a platform once i would give it three years max but this is always the plan him saying it is preparing people for the announcement that hulu is going to be shut down within five years because all of it why would disney have two platforms when they're literally spending money to buy out anything from their competitors that has anything to do with disney and um, conglomerate all their stuff. So we, they have Star, and even then, they have Star internationally. That'll be going oh, away, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Hot Star, so, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hot, Star will, Hot Star will be going away, too. All of it will be Disney Plus globally. And then yeah. we'll have Disney. My assumption is we'll have Disney Plus, Paramount, whatever, Apple, and then whatever becomes Amazon. HBO Max. Yeah, Amazon. 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 Yeah. Or sorry, and Netflix, sorry, because I don't think HBO yeah. Max is going to exist. I think it'll get mm-hmm. rolled into one of those, honestly. I don't think there will mm-hmm. be an HBO Max streaming platform anymore. It'll, its assets will be bought out. It'll just be rolled into one. But, yeah. you know, from a business side, I tremble at the idea of our corporate overloads gaining more power. But from a fan size, it'll be nice to have all my content on one easy platform. <laughs> that is exactly. true. That is true. Uh, but yeah, do you guys have anything else to add to the story before we move on? No, I mean, uh, other than the fact that, like, I, I'm not surprised that he's got a two season order. I think, mm-hmm. given his, you know, given his, uh, what the hell's the word I'm looking for? His, his reputation, or yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, given his resume on television right now, like, he's made a name for himself, clearly. And, oh, yeah, and I know yeah. that, like, I was reading later in the um, the article that this, this is. It seems like this uh, show is the one that they're comparing to the Twilight Zone. I think there's a paragraph okay. close to the end that they're talking that this is the show that hmm. it says it's, it's a new series set in our world while putting a tweak on it, bending reality and focusing on people and exploring the human condition in an unexpected, surprising way. So it's a lot of uh, big and it's going to cost like into a 15. Sentence, so. oh, I yeah. guess that means I have to write my project because he just described <laughs> my project. So I got to beat him. <laughs> but yeah it's 15 to 20 million dollars per episode that sounds like a big big amount of money for especially mm-hmm. for this grounded type of show because that's pretty much close that's, to how much the lord of the Rings show is costing you do realize yeah. this show is why your iphone costs a thousand dollars that's why i'm yeah. not upgrading my iphone yet so <laughs> uh but yeah, guys, moving on to the next story. So it's about the Fantastic Four writers with Matt Shackman boarding as director. Marvel Studios has now found its writers to deliver the new Fantastic Four picture. Um, sources tell Deadline that Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer are on board to write the script for this film. You know what I think? Uh, you know that Tom and Jerry meme where Tom has his heart-shaped eyes popping out of his skull? Uh, that's Marvel every time they come up come across a writer with zero credits. Like, uh, look, I'm sure they're great writers. <laughs> I'm sure they're great writers, but uh, should they really be rolling the dice on writers who haven't proven themselves quite yet? Don't get me wrong. I'm all for giving not-so-known writers a chance, but uh, taking this big a chance on a project as big as Fantastic Four can be very risky. But again, high risk, high reward. Uh, But as long as it's not Michael Waldron, I should be happy. What do you guys think? I fully believe um, that this is going to be a good idea. First of all, there's one thing. As of right now, we know for a fact that Kevin Feige himself has admitted that these days he's not quite as involved because he literally can't be. Marvel is not making two and three movies anymore. They're making Mm -hmm. five shows in three movies movies. a year plus Mm -hmm. planning out five years in advance now. He can't be as involved. 
from everything he said on a personal level, there's only two projects we know that he's three projects we know he's personally involved in. Secret Wars, of course, and Kang Dynasty. Nova, because he seems to really like Nova, which I'm all for, you mm-hmm. know, good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Fantastic Four. He is very much involved in this process. So I honestly think this is the fact that he would pick someone with no credits means there must be something about them because the fact that we know that he handpicks and generally handpicks the directors and he's definitely handpicking the writers for this mm-hmm. because they are they have already said that the Fantastic Four are going to be a major face of the MCU just in the same way they've also said that they want to make Spider-Man as long as Sony plays ball a face of the MCU you know with these next three movies so I think it's I think it's a good sign I also think Marvel needs another dream team as much as I love Chloe Zhao's and Ryan Coogler's and Sam Raimi's, I think we need to go with directors who don't necessarily have their identity trenched in their style there. And creatives as well. Creatives, mm-hmm. you know? I think we need people who, because, you know, at the end of the day, I think part of Multiverse of Madness, for instance, suffered. Multiverse of Madness, I think, could have been, and this isn't even talking about Raimi's styling, but just the fact that the story that they were trying to tell kind of conflicted with the vision and I think the direction that the MCU needed to go. This yeah. needed to be a pivotal MCU movie to basically be the prequel to um to set up the multiverse saga. This is the movie that yeah. really introduces the multiverse saga aside because you know aside from I guess Spider Man if you want to count that. Mm-hmm. But they also were trying to tell a Doctor Strange horror movie. Those two things conflicted, and you can obviously start to see throughout the movie that it suffers an identity crisis. If they're going to be going forward, we need to be finding people, I think, that not only are clearly in line with whatever Marvel has their plan, but also they need to build these type of teams. I want to see another dream team like Favreau and Downey who are, you know, working on this. Or the Russo brothers and... um, Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Postman. Postman, Taika Waititi, and what's the name? Those Mm -hmm. two pairs, you know? Quiet as it's kept, I don't think in this last batch in Phase 4, with the exception of the way that the Shang-Chi cast really gels, we didn't really see that as much in Phase 4, you know, as far as we know, you know, that really deep connection. That's what makes Marvel movies great, personally. I think what um, elevates Marvel movies, even the ones that aren't as good, is the fact that you can tell they care. They have the they have fun making them. They have a deep investment in them. They're on board. So even if it has some story weaknesses, that comes through. Now, whoever these guys are, I wish them all the best. I saw one of them made a joke where it was like, uh, "How do you write a movie?" I'm like, "Don't joke about that. They will." <laughs> so don't. Uh, <laughs> don't don't do that. But I genuinely wish them all the best. Um, mm-hmm. My only thinking is, you know. They're going to have to, this this movie now, I think, they can't do the whole mysterious teaser trailer. This teaser trailer is going to have to pretty much explain what this movie is. Oh, yeah. We're going to be very much in the dark about what this is. And I'm feeling at this point, I think that this is going to be marketing for this movie is basically going to be very similar to Endgame. Very bare bones until the absolute end. Because mm-hmm. I think they're playing with us at this point. I think, I think they're toying with us. And no, I don't think they're going to actually announce casting at this point until absolutely necessary. Because if they didn't yeah. announce it at Comic Con now, I until think- I think filming starts, I think until I think yeah. filming starts, because that's when you mm-hmm. get the shots. I think I guess, one of yeah. two things will happen. I think it'll either be, I think it honestly could be a Black Widow. Remember, Black Widow was filming for months, and they never actually announced that the movie was even coming out until they actually yeah. it was filming for months. They never announced the cast, but we all knew that David Harbour for mm-hmm. a few were in it. But Marvel never officially announced it. This could be a case like that. I don't. If it, if it happens, I think it'll just leak out from somebody like Deadline or Deadline, Marvel, of course, yeah. Like mm-hmm. And then it'll get published, and then people will be like, Marvel will never say no, but it'll be obvious that they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, what are your thoughts on? The, the new writers for Fantastic Four. I mean, yeah, like I think I think Marvel's had a pretty good track record so far with hiring relative unknowns uh, into roles like director chair, writers chair, and for the most part, I mean, relative unknown to say like the A list Hollywood like medium, so to speak. But in in the world of Marvel, you can basically turn a writer or director into like an A list celebrity at this case, right? Like. To see, for example, the success story of, of Shang-Chi with the director is now directing 
Kang Dynasty. He's also involved with Wonder Man. It's like an, a director who typically, I, I think he was known more for like his indie films that mm-hmm. he did before Shang-Chi yeah. and then gets brought on to this film. It's nice to see that, that Marvel is taking their chance on relative unknowns. And while like I was actually, as you guys were talking, trying to look through the IMDb pages of these, of these writers. Mm-hmm. And, and while it's like, there isn't really a lot of stuff that they've exactly. written for mm-hmm. Marvel clearly sees something, some potential in these writers, much like their director as well, that they've hired on to bring this story to life. And yeah, Fantastic Four is going to be one of those films. That's It's going to be huge uh, for the future of the MCU moving forward. So I have faith. I mean, with with most things these days, I keep my my um, myself cautiously optimistic, but I'm you know I usually keep set the bar pretty medium, and then if I get disappointed, it's not a it's not a steep drop. It's always sort of like oh well, that is what it is. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. I I think it'll be fine. One one last thing I'd say is at the end of the day, we can't forget. You know who was also literally in 2017? Everyone was talking about that this movie was going to be a terrible movie get out because they thought that the dude who wrote comedy sketches was going to be writing and now he's literally we're talking about him like he could be the next Alfred Hitchcock and not even yeah. as a joke we're seriously talking about him that he could be the next face of modern horror um, mm-hmm. so everyone is an unknown at some point so I think you're really getting to your point being just because you don't have writing credits that says absolutely nothing about your writing oh yeah for sure credit. for it sure just means you don't have writing credits so I think, you know, for us fans, personally, I think unless the only time we should be worried, honestly, when it comes to these people is if they've written something or acted in something or directed something bad. That's when we should be mm. worried. But yeah. other than that, so far, at this point, Victoria Alonso, Kevin Feige, they know what they're doing. We've seen them time and time again. The only directorial misstep I legitimately think Marvel has made is Captain Marvel. I don't think that was the director. And maybe, I guess, Incredible Hulk. Because <laughs> even even um, the Thor movies, Kev- Kenneth or whatever. Kenneth Brand- never, Brannick, yeah. I can never pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, but but he, um, he, I think, had a good idea. It just didn't quite vibe for, frankly, the yeah. technology and the story at the time. Yeah. But his idea was basically having Thor be the Lord of the Rings of, yeah, of the, of the, the MCU. Rings, yeah. Yeah. Didn't vibe with the story that they were telling, which was yeah. just not that. So, you know, um, but I think that, you know, as of right now, they've proven their track record. So unless we've given something to worry about, just, you know, relax and enjoy the ride. Because at the end of the day, I'm very excited for Fantastic Four. They're obviously taking it well. But quiet as it's kept, if they get Fantastic Four wrong, you know what they're going to do? Do it again and get it right. Because that's what Marvel's been doing. They get the Mandarin wrong, they do it right. They get Ultron wrong, they do it again. They do it right. Ultron is coming back again because they've been. Notice how they keep dropping more and more Ultron Easter eggs, just like they were dropping uh, Kang Easter eggs mysteriously. Mm-hmm. Ultron is coming back because they what if was obvious setup or mm-hmm. something. So you know they're gonna even if I fully believe that Fantastic Four will be fine out of the gate, but even then they're gonna make sure that they take the time to get this right because they've shown they care. Yeah, uh, but just funny story related to the topic. When when I first saw who the uh, writers were, I thought it was Jeff Kaplan from Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, so I'm like, the guy who made Overwatch, what it is, is writing Fantastic Four. That there were awesome. articles saying that yeah. too. Like, yeah, no, not the guy from like, Blizzard. <laughs> exactly. Because when I whenever I Google Jeff Kaplan, that he's the only person who showed. I'm like, no way. How how is this possible? I went crazy on our Discord server, <laughs> and Sam was like, yeah, and then Sam was like, no, you're taking the piss. I'm on. That's that's not who he is. But uh. But yeah, guys, anything else you guys want to add to the story before we move on? No, not really. Nope. All right. So story number five, last but not least. Uh, after reviving the Matrix last year, Warner Bros. is bringing back yet, yet another Keanu Reeves property. The studio is developing a sequel to 2005's Constantine, the film based on the supernatural DC property. The project is set to reunite Key, uh, Reeves and uh, director uh, Francis Lawrence, who helmed the original. Uh, now, again, WBD has also gone and canceled. The upcoming Constantine and Madame Max TV right shows there. on on HBO Max. Uh, Jemmy, I'm going to let you go on. Go ahead. They, do that. they have not canceled the project. There's a lot of misinformation going around. They, a lot of articles, but if you actually look to the sources, and I tried to do my research, they are shopping the show. So it is similar to oh. what they're doing with Cape Crusader. 
It is not canceled. Okay. It is being shopped. Now, here's the thing. I personally think this is a lot less likely to actually find a home, and I do think it will end up being canceled. But for mm-hmm. now, at least this point, it is um, it's not canceled. Okay. okay, that's that's fair. Then that just basically ruined my entire argument. But uh, um, look, as much as I didn't like the original movie, I think it's cool DC is investing more money into the more Elseworld projects like Joker and now Constantine. Uh, but why? But again, why are they shopping around the Constantine TV show? Like you literally had what? what arguably the perfect actor to play in Sopa Derisu. And the Constantine TV show would have gone hard on HBO Max. Not to mention, it was supposed to set up the Justice League dark TV show or movie. And, uh, you know, it, like it's, it was going to tie into the main DCEU. That's what they're trying to build, a shared universe. So why are they canceling these TV shows? It feels like every time WBD, like, they take a step forward, but then they take two steps back. Because yeah. if you haven't gotten the vibe now, I'll let our fans know. That is why is a cheap fuck. <laughs> so... He's going to lit. He they well, I believe Deadline published an article. His strategy is sell off their assets until what? Like until they legally can sell Warner Brothers, and then it's out. Whatever. So I guess Warner Brothers is dead, or at least a zombie at this point. In terms of DC, though, it seems like their strategy is going to be um, focusing on these Elseworld type stories until they find. Because you know it's clear that. They have not found their 10-year plan person. And quiet as it's kept, I don't really understand why anyone would take that job because you're mm-hmm. putting your target on your back for Snyder fans. You're putting your target mm-hmm. on your back to the entertainment industry because who's going to want to work for a company that cancels everything? So yeah. I can imagine anyone wants the job at this point. As for you, but you know, that seems to be their strategy. You know, look at the projects they are saying. It looks like Green Lantern is still in development. Mm-hmm. Show. I mean, they, not gonna lie, they did say a few months ago that uh, Constantine is still going ahead at HBO Max, and now we get this news. Well, you know? yeah, but there was recent, there was some re-ups on stuff, so I don't know if you saw that, but basically it was saying that the plan was always to have um, the two movies tie in, so a show and then a movie, but it mm-hmm. looks like they might be adjusting it to where the show might be more isolated and connected to the proper DC while apparently there was a rumor saying that they want a movie to basically be a cross between Top Gun and Doom, so a lot more epic in scope, and possibly even setting up our own Green Lantern franchise similar to the Batman franchise, possibly. Mm-hmm. Which, again, as a Green Lantern fan, yay, as a DC fan who wants a, a connected universe, because Marvel is literally to the point where they're doing it, and they now have a multiverse, and I'm like, I just want the Justice League to like do more than just meet. Like, maybe do some other stuff. That might be nice. But, like, yeah. with Constantine, this movie, it's like, as long as you're willing to divorce yourself from comic book Constantine, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. It's not that faithful of an adaptation. Now, they could make it more faithful. They could make it more in line, because it wasn't that it was, you know, contradictory. It just, aside from the American perspective, he just, he acted like Constantine. It just doesn't really have to have the aesthetic. They could do something very similar to Suicide Squad, where they could say, you know, soft reboot. Obviously, I doubt they'll give him a British accent. The Constantine. Yes. <laughs> the Constantine, <laughs> yep. But no, I'm assuming they'll probably call it Hellblazer. Is my Probably. But um, they, could have, uh, they could have, you know, go closer to the aesthetics of the comic, closer to the aesthetics of the television show, kind of adopt that, and then do something like that. Um, it is also makes sense. I don't know if you guys saw, but from the latest test screenings of Flash, it was reported that they have sort of a kaleidoscope of different universes, supposed to be like the Reed universe and stuff like that. There was mm-hmm. a rumor saying that um, they added in the latest batch of test shoots, they added Constantine, the movie to that. And people were like, why they had this random movie that barely mm-hmm. anyone talks about? That makes sense because they want to remind people to go see. Um, but, you know... I just hope personally that the other Constantine project is still alive. Yep, you know? I do so. I, I mean, like, honestly, Constantine is one of the characters where they could go full Spider Verse. You have Gemma Coleman on Netflix. You could have um, what's the name? You know, you, you could, yeah, you could connect it to the Sandman universe. If Netflix picks the show up, they could connect yeah, it to the Sandman they, universe. They could easily do. They could connect it to the Sandman universe. Here's the thing with a magic character like Constantine. They can go multiverse, so they don't even have to write Gemma's character out. They could go multiverse. They could go different perspectives. There's a lot of things. If Netflix find it, Apple, you know, for what it's worth, Apple seems to be interested in... Um, there's rumors Apple's interested in Cape Crusader. 
I could see them also taking Constantine and okay, could you imagine the amount of money that they're throwing at these type of shows? Could you imagine them throwing that type of money at a Constantine show? Oh yeah, that would look mm. dope. That would look so good, yeah. So you know, it's all about I just hope that at this point I'm kinda resigned. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers is obviously going to uh be selling off and doing everything. Uh, yeah. It's like I said last week. You know, it's like Warner Bros. a five star Michelin restaurant. The guy from McDonald's comes in and says, Let me show you how you run things. That's that that's what it looks it's like. It's not even outside. the guy from McDonald's. It's the annoying new trainee at McDonald's who just started from high school who thinks yeah. he knows shit. <laughs> but yeah. Like, gonna burn it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything else you guys want to add to the story before we wrap up? No, I mean, uh, this was definitely one that kind of took me by surprise when I first saw it. Um, mm-hmm. Being yeah, that I haven't sure. seen, I mean, I haven't seen the first Constantine. And in fact, it wasn't until maybe five years after it came out that I realized it was a DC character. <laughs> because <laughs> in, in the, the mid to late 2000s, you know, I was all about Spider-Man. Like that's really, until Iron Man came out, all I can think about was Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's always been my favorite superhero, right? So any other character of a movie that came out, whether it's a Constantine or a Hellboy or whatever else they were putting out, Maybe mm-hmm. X-Men, that's the other exception, I guess. But it was like, I didn't really care. And then and then I saw Constantine get its own show um, for DC. I saw Constantine oh, yeah. then mm-hmm. bleed into the, the CW shows. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, there's a resurgence of this character. Um, and then I started you know, digging around, and I realized that Constantine was then part of this Justice League Dark. Yeah. Uh, which I think Guillermo del Toro was at one point oh, tied yes. to. <laughs> God, yeah, that... and. <sighs> I think that was canceled too, I, I believe. Yeah, right? that, that was canceled was a long, the... long time ago. But yeah. it wasn't canceled by the studio. It was canceled by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, he he just didn't want to do it anymore. This point, yeah, yeah. yeah. The del Toro version. They tried a Snyder-ish version, I think, that was rumored for a while. That was greenlit, and then they canceled that. And then they had the new HBO Max sort of version. They were, I think, they were going to have at one point they were just going to have a single HBO Max show, and then they mm-hmm. decided to try expanding it off into this universe. Back when it was yeah. still DC Universe was going to be this Justice League Dark, and then they tried connecting it to the DCU, and then now, now Zaslav came in. Uh, yeah. So I'd say I'd say with this film, much like Matrix Resurrections, it's going to be one of those things that it's like I'm not going to be watching it day one, but I like it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. to see Keanu mm-hmm. going back and revisiting these roles he hasn't played in a while as just mm-hmm. that older man because you know he did Bill and Ted, then he did yeah. Um, he did uh, Matrix, and now he's doing this. So. John John Wick Four as well. Yep. John Wick Four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys. Before we wrap up, Jemmy, where can we find you? You can find me at Jemmy underscore four two one on Instagram. Oh, uh, well, where can we find you? Uh, yeah. So Twitter handle is at Will Key, and it's spelled with two E's, not K E Y, because that gets confused a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my podcast, the Outbreak Podcast, you can find it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, uh, which is probably frame by frame. I usually on my own podcast, I say that my show is my favorite podcast I listen to, but <laughs> frame by frame, guys. But my podcast is uh, at Podcast Outbreak on Twitter. That that's where you can find me. The links to all of those will be included in the description below. You can find me at Amon underscore M05 on Twitter. And guys, thank you for watching. Make sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash save the game media and gain exclusive access to our uh, perks uh, that will enhance your experience. And I'll see you guys again next week. Peace. See you guys. Bye, guys.